Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Perfect Blend. Hey, I'm Shelly. And I'm Candy. And we are so happy you're with us today. As Very we glad to see you here. As we discuss Remarkably Bright Creatures. Yep. By Shelby Van Pelt. This book came out of nowhere in a way. It's a very interesting read to me. This is her first novel and it was published last year. She is born and raised in the Pacific Northwest, but she lives in Chicago now with her family. She has written quite a bit of short stories, but this one was her first novel. Novel. And I like that I was able to go through the process with her experiencing how she got there in one of her interviews. And she was like, first, she saw a video of an octopus trying to make its way through a maze. And she was like, really interested. And so she started learning more about them. And then she was in a writer's workshop. And they were like, try to write from a, a fresh perspective point of view. And she said, I'm gonna write from an octopus's point of view. And so she kind of had this octopus narration in her head for about a year. And then she wrote an article about about that experience and what she, how her creative process went. And then it changed into a novel. So I really like that the inklings of when you say, how do you get that idea? And author's like, oh, you know, I really see the inception and the growth of this novel from that interview on what it took for her to get to this. It's a very interesting perspective. And that's what caught my eye first was that this is from an octopus's point of view. So I thought, how interesting. I love that. I always love to find out that author inspiration, mm -hmm. you know, where it comes from what spark and it just brings me a lot of joy that's I think that's part of it is just appreciating the book that much more and finding out how they get their ideas mm -hmm. it was really good so before we start what tea are you drinking I can't wait till you share your tea because I want some of this <laughs> it's good this is one of our favorite tea companies is the Valhalla Tea Company made by veterans and for veterans and profit nonprofits for veterans and homelessness and I always like to say that because that's an important part of why I like this tea but this is called Black Caesar. And Black Caesar was a pirate who was a captured slave. He was a captured slave who became a pirate. And I love it. it. It's a pretty cool story I learned about just from this cute package. I learned some history. And he is, this is a black tea with salt and caramel. Two flavors I love. It's actually too. Some, of my, some of my favorite flavors. And so the tea is a black tea that tastes, it smells delicious. Very good caramel. It has bits of almond and it actually had some salt in there. So it was a very chunky tea when I I was using it, but it tastes great. And you can totally put some cream in it because, you know. Oh, cream and caramel. You yeah, know, everybody else goes on about it's like pumpkin spice season. It's pumpkin spice. No, it's caramel season. Caramel. We're going to do it. I love it. I'm, I, I'm, I'm all about all caramel. About, yes. I mean, to mm -hmm. me, that's been around longer and I associate that more with fall than anything. You know, state fairs, it's cool. You've got caramel and stuff. Caramel and apples. Caramel apples. Exactly. You got to make some caramel apple tea. That's my next one. Oh, that's so good. What tea are you drinking? Book. I went back to our Tin Roof Teas, the Raleigh Tea Spot that we went to, and I had gotten Einstein's Equation. Okay. A mentally refreshing beverage to give you feelings of clarity and precision so I can be more like Marcellus. <laughs> Only if I think of, you know, even if I'm just thinking it. It's got ginkgo leaf, go-to cola, red clover, rosemary, and ginger. Smells really good, and I, yeah, I love it. And but yeah, I forget about it sometimes. I, it's been sitting on the shelf, and so I was like, like, you know, I haven't had that in a long time, so I'm uh, enjoying it. We were both inspired by Marsalis for our teas. Yes, we took were. The, the intellectual side, and I took the pirate side, the captured right, and pirate was. size, and he, both of those were parts of his personality. I love that. 
We both want to thank you for giving us a listen. We would love it if you would leave comments or book suggestions and leave a five-star review on Apple or Spotify if you enjoy your time with us. Yes, that would be wonderful because we would like to hear what books you want to hear about and what teas we pair them with. I didn't know what to expect with this book. Uh, I had no, didn't read the summary. Just, we picked it because it looked like it was a good read coming up. I think you re- might've read the summary and said it sounded interesting. So I had no idea, no expectation going into this. And I've been on the road a lot. And so this was the book that I listened to. And I am so glad that this is the one I picked because the voice of Marcellus, the actor who did his voice, Michael Yor, uh, mm-hmm. he was perfection. It was. It was a very good audio book. Summertime. Might be leisurely enough for you guys to, to read a book page to page, which we all love. But if you're on the road, audiobooks, baby, don't let it go. <laughs> yeah. Keep your books flowing, right? Of course, yeah, you have to and- talk talk whoever's in the car with you to get into it too. <laughs> This is true. This is true. And I don't ask anybody to do that with me, but I just, oh, this was so good. And it, it made the ride so much nicer mm-hmm. to have this because it's it's a great story. Mm-hmm. Really is a great story. So, I got excited. I so this novel is a heartfelt story about unexpected friendship. Tova is a widowed night shift janitor, has taken a job working in an aquarium in the state of Washington to stay busy. And it's something that she's been trying to do ever since her 18-year-old son disappeared 30 years earlier. While working, she forms an unlikely yet remarkable friendship with a giant Pacific octopus named Marcellus. He is much smarter than he lets on, and he takes a liking to Tova, and he helps her uncover the mystery behind the years-long disappearance of her son. So interesting. So what kind of human do you think Marcellus would be? What kind of human? You've been dying to ask ask me this question. Well, I think he would be, well, part pirate, part detective. Or he could be like a Sigmund Freud psychoanalyst because he was really intuitive about people. I don't know. I know I can pick a career, but okay. I do think that he would be, as a person, kind of rough on the outside, but kind of very sweet and caring to those who are close to him. Yes, I think he would ruffle a lot of feathers because he, he will brook no fool. <laughs> but I think that if if he cares about you, then he is, he is going to be a great friend. Yeah. I think, I think he and Miss Cicely would get along. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Because they both, they both tell it like it is. Yep. He would just do it. If he, if he do it in the voice that he had in the audiobook, he would do it with that British accent. Uh, uh, poor Tova. My, my heart breaks for her. She is such a, a strong person. She and, really but, is. But vulnerable at the same time. And she, she, to have lost a son, I wish on a child loss on no parent ever mm-hmm. cannot imagine and to be have that part of her life stolen from her has affected her and and it's so I really felt how hard it was for her to continue to be strong and be around her friends even 30 years later that they've watched you know the kids grow up that they were friends with probably when her kids were friends you know and watch them have grandkids and I mean that's your friend circle those are your people and I'm sure they were they were all very supportive but the thought of what she had to go through to always feel on the outside of that experience you know unlike an octopus you can't replace a tentacle once it's chopped off and so this is something right. that I felt like is a missing part that she could never it was just a, a always a hole so and, that and part, she was go ahead yeah I'm just saying that part was very very telling in her connections with her friends and her friends you know they still still kind of shied back
back whenever they said anything about it. They were like, oh, I'm sorry. Right. And 30 years later, of course, you're going to talk about your children and your grandchildren. So I, I mean, but they were all kind of, well, don't talk about that. I, I don't know. That's just a hard, both sides of it seemed very difficult. I don't know what the right answer is. I guess you handle it how you do. But that that kind of was like it was perpetuated by them always. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a raw wound and never would. Yes. Heal. And, yes. and she was a lonely person. Her husband has passed away, but she also keeps herself alone. And it's like the grief is something that she has surrounded herself with. And she keeps busy within that cushion of grief that she just doesn't let go of. And and I know that that's something that I have no idea how you carry that. And, and it could be, it's just her way of surviving it. But she is, even with friends and even with people, she keeps everyone at a distance. She doesn't want anybody in. So she's lonely, but she's also keeping herself alone. Yep. And I mean, she also lost her husband. There's so much loss in this book. And yes, that being said, it is still a very optimistic book and story and the characters Tova and in, in the aquarium. Tova is, she's a night janitor in this aquarium. She is an immaculate housekeeping person. She keeps everything very clean and she kind of that routine during the day she can kind of hang with the friends but that nighttime where she would be home by herself mm-hmm. I can see that this is a perfect fit for her so she doesn't have to be home right by herself she is there with the animals she cares for them she cares she, she's not she makes that connection with Marsalis and as we see their connection grow sometimes you feel like you know if you were seeing it just from her perspective it would be like she's just anthropomorphizing this his actions she is personifying how he moved to touch her like is he really trying to reach out to connect with her or is it just some other animal instinct thing but Mm -hmm. when we have his point of view pulled in then you start thinking of the intelligence of the animal and what he could bring to this connection with this human but it was great me too they both have their own loneliness you know marcellus is not happy where he is and every chapter starts with this whatever day it is of captivity (laughs) okay so he has he has heard somewhere the lifespan of an octopus is like for four years and so he keeps count of his days and he was rescued you know the life of the octopus in captivity might be longer but the fact that he is captured and was rescued seems like a very benevolent thing for him but at the same time we're also very aware of how hard it is to keep a a very intelligent creature confined so there's a question for you do you think terry when he talks about they rescued marcellus do you truly believe that he was rescued or do you think he would have been fine living in the ocean? I think he would have. I think animals in their natural habitat, they are, octopuses are remarkably able to regrow, rebound and come back. I love going to aquariums. I do. I love going to zoos. I like to see the animals, but I also am perfectly content to watch them on video. So if the, if I don't know that Terry really rescued him as much as he, because if he was just rescuing him, he probably would have let him go. But he runs an aquarium. So, you know, that's right. part business of the business. business. Yeah. yeah. And, and I don't know. I mean, there, that's a whole thing. If people did, some people wouldn't care about animals if they didn't get to see them up close and see their habitat and think about it. And they study them to understand their behaviors. Yeah. And it's kind of a, it can go both ways. And I, I think about that when I go to the aquarium and I see the fish just swimming around and around and I think, poor baby, you only have this little space and it's the same thing over and over again. But, you know, you could be out in the open 
emotion and get gulped down the second you get released. So that's right. But I think either way. The, as a teacher, we take the kids to the aquarium. And I, I love the spark that it brings to children and adults, but people, anybody, but particularly children to care and love and understand other environments and other animals and want to know more and, you know, want to care about it. Maybe take better care of the earth in general or whatever might be that spark. You never know. I think they're a necessary thing. And I think Marsalis probably inspired more in people learning about him than, than he would have just living in the ocean, of course. So I guess that's it. <laughs> yes, I do too. And and I like that even though he's all about himself, which he really is. I love how he talks about the people who come to the aquarium and oh how, how he's so smart that he could fit. He's like the Sherlock Holmes of mm. the aquarium because he, he can use visual cues and things. He can even figure out genetics. When he was talking about the, the boy and the father and how it's not <laughs> the his cuckold. <laughs> you, sir, are tired. a cuckold. <laughs> I just loved, I love how he started each one because he's so, uh, I just love it. He, I have that sense of humor and that snarkiness. He's just, he's a snarkopus is what he is. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. So we have another character introduced, Cameron. What is your impression of Cameron? When I first, because this was like two storylines happening. Well, yes. three, if you count Marcellus's, but Marcellus and Tova were together. But then there was this Cameron story about him and his girlfriend and him throwing, she throwing him out and his aunt. And it took a while to really understand who he was and wh why he was important to the story. Right. Because he does travel and become part of uh, the aquarium's life. So it was just really sort of disjointed at the beginning. And I was like, where, where are we going with this? But you start to get clues along the way and to see how these are going to become intertwined. So it was really, I thought that was good. And Cameron himself is... Uh, I don't know. He's a, I think one of the things that this story shows is the effects of dysfunctional families on the generations beyond the dysfunction, the children and the grandchildren of those situations and how, how they may not have all of the, the bag of tricks to face life because of different trauma in their lives. And and Cameron is definitely shows that he is a, is a child of a broken home and a neg negligent mother. And a, he's just cast on the river and he just hopes he can swim you know sliding scale how much is he victim and how much is he self-saboteur well one leads to the other and i think as you progress and grow up you have to learn to not continuously victimize yourself when you come from a situation where there's trauma he does not have any idea of how to really keep it together so until she till katie throws him out and he is kind of homeless. i gotta get out of here yeah when he was homeless and he had to really find a way to pull himself up. Then you see that he had a lot more fortitude. I mean, he has a caring heart. Let's he say does. that and first. He's, he's super, super smart. Mm -hmm. super he is smart. super smart. He's very you know, smart. He has that, but he is, he's not self-aware smart. Like I'm doing this to myself and mm -hmm. everybody that he is trying to get to help him before he leaves is telling him, you know, they've given him chance after chance. And this is the pattern that he follows. And he is not accepting that. I'm a product of my environment. This is how I am and not, oh, gee, you're right. I keep making the same choice and I keep getting the 
same results. Maybe I need to change my choices. And so I guess this is his rock bottom mm -hmm. that takes him to uh, Washington where Tova lives. Mm -hmm. It's his journey is pretty good. You wanted think. to you wanted to be one of his aunts and that says, "Look, here's your pattern. We need what, what can we do different next time? What choice can you make this different?" And and I'm sure his aunt did that to the point where it's just about her now and her. Well, that's true because as soon as he left, she was like, "Okay, I can have my own life," and I think that was fair on her on her part too. Oh, I yeah. think the fact that she was having her own life and finally, you know, had her had her own boyfriend and things. I mean, this man is 30 years old. Get on with it. Right. Um, and he was stuck in relationships where he needed someone to care for him because he was always looking for a mother. I mean, this is so just standard, <laughs> stereotypical stuff. But he had a bad mother connection. So he's looking for someone to be a mother. And so you can't be a mother and a lover and a equal partner. It's hard. Mm -hmm. So that's where Katie was. And that's why she finally said out. <laughs> right. She had enough. And he was in this dream world of being in a band. Well, it was everybody was else's fault. And at 30, he thinks he's found out who his father is. And he's going to go and really think he's going to get payback. A payback. Back that, child support. That to me really is where I wanted to shake him. And what is it? Like when Cher slaps Nicolas Cage and in, in moon, Moonstruck. Moonstruck. Snap out of it. Mm -hmm. How yeah. old are you? You know, you know better. You need, you're 30 years old. It's time for you to put your feet on the ground and for you to make it happen. Your dad, yeah. you don't know the story, which is also another thing. You know, you get parts of a story because your family doesn't want to, it's painful. Your family doesn't want to go there. And so oh, you get this yep. perspective of how things are and you're so far off, but just that little bit of clarity. And it's, it's a hard thing. It's just a hard thing all the way around. There's no right way, wrong way. It's just how you get through it. But it's very frustrating being on the outside and seeing without the emotion attached to it that yes this is what you should do this is what you shouldn't do or why didn't you just go and tell him that kind of thing oh that's the part in all stories isn't it just tell them stop you know right. that's it's... that's what makes us crazy and keep reading but but it's also true in real life I mean you if when you're raising a child you don't tell them everything if you right. are an aunt raising your nephew and you don't want him to feel like his mom was a complete terrible person you may not tell him everything because what you tell children about their parents affects their identity and yes. everybody but when you don't tell them. realize that you know and yeah. you don't want to but tell then, them but then when you don't tell them and they find out later it's like I would have had a whole different way of dealing with this if I would only know I didn't know this about my mom I didn't know this about how the, what the struggle was I didn't you know you it just well, once again what do you you know you think you do something for all the right reasons and it, it just causes I don't think there's any way to handle difficult situations where you do it and every bit of it perfectly right never uh, not in my experience and not in not in fiction either and no. so in my fiction world I realize is other people's experiences as well so they must not be having any success at that either well and there's a reason why hindsight is 2020 yeah. is the, is the best thing because it is clear when you're looking back and, and you get a, a fresh perspective yep. so Cameron does end up in Washington and um, his life does take on a strange new path. I kind of like that part for him. He's in a camper. It's kind of funny. He's camping in some parking lot, <laughs> trying to get it together. And He's uh, in Ethan's yard. He ends up staying in his, his uh, driveway. That's right. He lets him park there. Because he stopped in and Ethan runs the, the little corner market like a convenience store. Swish. And it just took a took a liking to him, right? That was mm -hmm. that's kindness of strangers. Kindness of strangers.
behaviors in small ways can put a right somebody's path or change somebody's path. And that's another big thing in the story that we see that just the kindness and just accepting like so many people in, in this, when he gets to this part of the world are very accepting that he's had a difficult life and that he's just trying to get it together. And they're like, cool with it, you know, mm-hmm. and they help him and they help him. They're doing, you know, they're giving him resources. He's, he gets a job. He gets help with his camper. By the way, I really was digging the camper. I was like, I can do that. <laughs> Like if we, I don't want a big one that you put behind that, like a house, you know, I, I want something like a return to escape from Witch Mountain. <laughs> The one that Eddie Albert had. Everything's right there. You just drive it off. Oh yeah. Foolish pipe dreams. I don't want one that he had that I had to, you have to do all that work too, but something that you could just go and see and that would be cool. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's just too much. One of the things that's happening in this story is how Tova's friends, when you've had trauma, how your friends sometimes put you in a box, like you, she needs coddling. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and that is very frustrating for her. I can't believe they think that because she's, she cares for her house. She keeps her, her husband has passed away, but she, she has a job that's pretty physically demanding. I couldn't do her job at now probably. And she's 70, I guess. And they all want to over fix her. her. That's the thing right there. Fix her. And as a friend, it's hard, right? When you want to help somebody because you can see them struggling or you think you project that they're feeling like they're struggling. Mm -hmm. And what works for you Mm -hmm. will work for them. Yeah. And it's just tough, but I think there's a couple of her friends who really stay above, like try to sound like they're above her. Mm-hmm. And oh, she's their charity piece. Tova's nice enough to take it, but I think that it that she's like, whatever. I don't need your charity. But right. that's what makes you feel better. It. I guess that's yeah, she doesn't want it, but I think she's like, that's what makes you feel better. I guess we'll go down this road. Well, she's fiercely independent. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that really kind of got to me was she was worried about because they always want to take care of her. She doesn't want to be dependent on them when she gets to the point where she has to be dependent on somebody. And that kind of moves her towards looking at that home. And to me, that was just so sad to give up her life and everything for this place. And I just, that broke my heart. And it it wasn't the biggest part of the story, but I guess it just resonates with me because she started to, what her friends were saying, and her friends were going through this as well. Their children were putting them in their house or whatever, and she didn't have that. And so she's looking at who am I? I'm not going to be a burden to anybody. I don't have any family. What am I going to do? And it was just a, I'm, you know, that's 20 some years down the line if I make it that far, but it's just one of those things that you think about, especially if you've had to take care of a parent. And it was something that resonated with me. It's a real decision at a certain time when as a parent caring for your parents Mm -hmm. or who's going to care for you if you're a single person or if you're a couple who has decided not to have children or things like that. It's just tough. So you don't think about those things when you're in your 30s or 40s or 50s. It's only when you start hitting 60s and 70s that you start going, wait a minute. Right. Or if you have to deal with it in your Mm -hmm. 30s and 40s or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever age you have to take care of a parent. And I wasn't the main caregiver for my mom, bless my sister, for taking that on. But all the things that you have to go through, the decisions you have to make, parents want to be independent, but you see a different side that they're not being independent and all of those things. It's just, uh, it's a hard thing. And 
and to be by yourself. Now that's a whole different ball of wax because you worry about what your kids are going to do with you and how you're going to have that relationship. But she doesn't <laughs> have all that. And she's kind of got to take care of herself. At least she has the wherewithal to think about those things. So what brought all of that on was her brother. And so she realized that her brother had moved into a care facility and then at some point passes away. And so this brings all of these other life changes to her for what am I doing moving forward? And this is a tone in the story that is contemplative. And Torva's journey is very contemplative about what life is like and what life was like and where is she going. And But Cameron's is a little bit different. He's sort of like that, but he's got a lot of energy and he's ready to find some kind of a family, any kind of family, really mm -hmm. something. It could be friends. It could be a found family of people that are around him or he just wants to find a place. Even though he's looking for this man who's going to give him, hopefully give him a bunch of money, especially when he finds he's a developer. He's like, oh man, I got a rich daddy. Mm -hmm. So That's it's totally preposterous. Well, then you have Marcellus as well. Marcellus yeah. is being independent within his confines. It's not stopping him from finding a tasty snack. And, but he's contemplating his end as well. So it's, uh, it's about endings and beginning. Yeah. That was really great. I loved it. I want to go back and capture Marcellus's quotes because he was just so funny. <laughs> Like when he talked about being a smart cookie and the whole chapter is about what is a lo cookie? loving cookies and what a cookie is. And he got uh -huh. called a smart cookie and he's like, I am smart, but I am not a snack object dispensed from a packaged food machine. What a preposterous <laughs> thing to say. <laughs> he just has all these great, the seahorses are at it again. <laughs> He just was this delight. You'd have this moment of brevity and then you'd have Marcellus yes. start in about something. His commentary on life in the aquarium. <laughs> and, you know, you never think about the poor animals, what they're thinking or if they're thinking. And he, of course, he tells you that some of them don't have the intelligence to have a thought. He went into the, uh, what was it, the eels? Uh-huh. And they're just vapid yes. <laughs> creatures yeah. that don't know what's going on. And we could go on and on. We could talk about this all day, but we figured you maybe have something else you want to do. Maybe visit an aquarium. I think everybody should visit an aquarium. Yes. Or um, My Octopus Teacher on Netflix is a great show. Isn't that what it's called? My Octopus yes. Teacher? I love that show. And I think that played into, that seems like part of what she might have studied too, because she did a couple of different books about it. But that was a great video on there as well. So Most that continue into the life of Marsalis and a life and be respectful of octopus, man. They are, they are smart. They are They're very smart. They are. It's funny because creatures are, and, and this is a whole nother thing, but creatures are very intuitive. They're, they can, they can be, and I'm sure everybody's got a story about their pet or something, some intuitive interaction they've had with a creature. So it's just, you know, being mindful and respectful that other creatures do have, they may not have this intelligence, but they have perspective and they, they're creatures too, just like us. They have some, they have lives, they yes, have contemplations, of... they have regrets, and they have wishes to escape into the wide blue ocean to yes. live their I best life. I have wishes too. to escape into the wild. That's, that's my <laughs> exit plan. <laughs> Oh, gosh. We tell the kids that all the time. We're just going to tattoo where to send the body. Oh, <laughs> you won't have to worry about it. And one of them said, we're going to tag you we're gonna, so we can track you wherever you're going. And when you're water, we'll just drop some water in your area. 
We'll be back next week. Same tea time, same tea channel. <laughs> well, you can find us in the usual places, Instagram, the perfect blend underscore dot SC. Our website is the hyphen perfect hyphen blend.com. Mm-hmm. And the usual podcast sites. And, and until, until then, next time, read, read and sip, sip on. on.